0: can't stop this feeling. More like I can't stop that song. It's stuck in my head for hours now.
1: Yeah, you and your earworms. Ugh. First it's Eddie Money. Then it's Under the Sea. Now it's Uga Chaka. I don't even know the real
0: name of that song. Blue Suede, I think is the name of the band. I okay. don't know. I think All they're right. Swedish. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Anyway... anyway. <laughs>
1: Welcome to X-rated Movies. I, of course, am your host, Matthew Fisher. I am also your host, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys that used to date, and now we don't. Now we talk
0: about movies. And boy, do we got a movie for you today. Yeah, and you know what? I think that um, because this is such a meaty, meatful just flick, Yeah, I think we should just start jump, chewing on it. Yeah, just dive in. Get
1: that meat in our mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know it's unconventional. Uh, we're trying something new, but I'd like—I'd like to just j- dive right in if, you, if you're okay with that. I am GGG. I am all about exploring
1: new ways of exploration. Excellent. So today's movie is pornography colon a thriller.
0: Um, Matt, I'm not sure you understood the assignment. <laughs> so before. I get your
1: feeling on it. I want to explain why this is one of the picks. I know kay. that this is supposed to be bad gay movies, and I don't think this movie's bad, but it's because I watched this and Altitude falling like in the same weekend initially. Oh. And I was like, God, gay movies really can like run the gamut of things. And by all accounts, this movie should be trash. If a few directorial choices had gone a different direction this movie would be
0: garbage yeah I guess I could see some ways I mean
1: I rented it because I thought it was going to be trash like I was searching at scarecrow going through the alphabet and I saw a movie called pornography a thriller and I was like well there's no way this is going to be good
0: (laughs) and I was wrong happily to admit I was wrong I went in totally expecting trash as well because that's what this season is all about. But uh, apparently, you decided to bring in uh, some quality content.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm A little disappointed, a... <laughs> to be honest.
1: <laughs> but I think this still hits what we want out of a bad gay movie. Like, the gratuitousness, the campiness. We get the qualities that we like out of a bad gay movie, mm-hmm. but without like the stilted acting, without the plotlessness... Without, like, catty,
0: queenie, stereotypical drama. I feel like this movie was made for us, in a way. God, a little bit, right? <laughs> it's just, like, there's a lot to chew on. It's got, like, David Lynchian-style production. It looks good. Uh, I like the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just a uh, lot going for and it. And
1: I think the performances are really strong, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, especially from uh, the guy who plays Matt... He's the last one, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
1: Pete Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh,
1: I just because the opening scene is like him just talking into a camcorder with like this slow zoom in on him, and I'm like sucked in by it.
0: Pornography is really important because it lets people express fantasies they couldn't otherwise accomplish. Um, you know, I uh, I really think with with all that's going on in the world, what we do is Bring people together and let them, you know.
1: That's one of those things that that I look for in a movie. Like, when does nothing feel like something? Mm-hmm. And this is a really good example. Like, he's just looking at the camera talking and about you, pornography, basically. Yeah, and you're getting kind of sucked into it. Yeah.
0: It also is like it reminded me of those like you know vids you see of like when they're introducing a new star on some like porn site, and it's mm-hmm. like, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> And I like guys with a soft, artistic
0: side. <laughs> this is my first porn. <laughs> Be gentle. <laughs> I turned 18 three days ago. Uh, but yeah, and you know what I also liked about the opening um, in general is that I didn't know what I was in store for. Mm. Like... You know, there's some movies you can get you get an idea of what your ticket price paid for sure. immediately. This one, I was like, I gotta pay attention because I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen, and uh, I like that about it. It's a mystery. It's a mystery kind of the whole way through.
1: It's basically split up into like three chapters, three acts. You know, they even call it like a porn biopic in three acts or something like that. Yeah. At some point. Each mystery, the way that it folds back in on itself, but each mystery is not the same. You don't get just the same story three times right you get three distinct stories that have you know themes running through it cloud atlas style yeah
0: it reminded me of um michael cunningham's book specimen days which uh, i don't know if you know but he wrote a little gay book called the hours oh so okay this book uh was similar in that um the themes kind of interweave and there's like objects that pop up mm-hmm. uh in each story but they're all very separate um, and I kind of got that vibe with this with this story. Yeah, we have got three acts. One, the first one is about Mark Anton. Mark Anton, porn star, '90s, mid '90s.
1: Yes, boy next door type. Mm-hmm. And we never get the full story. We it's hinted at, but he made one video that was really big. Yeah. And then made like a handful of others that weren't so big, and then he dropped off the face of the earth. Right. He's being kind of corralled back into the business unwillingly. There's like a good offer. It's like 40 grand to just do like a private video, nothing to be released. And it's him sort of hemming and hawing about it. Yeah.
0: We'll dig into it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Act two is about a couple in Brooklyn. uh, Michael. They get a place. They get a place in Brooklyn together. And one of them is writing a book about. The, the history of gay porn.
1: Yeah, he but he's doing it real classy like, you know, like a anthropological study of gay culture through pornography. And you know, he likes his pornography like we like a fine spritz. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at it with an analytical eye like watching for the passion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I kind of believe it like he's so clean cut and his boyfriend's so okay with it. I mean, this is one of those areas where I'm like if his performance were less grounded or he just wasn't as good of an actor, mm-hmm. I feel like this would just be too much to one side and just kind of seems silly. Yeah, I could see that. But because he seems like a real person, like he kind of seems a little snobby, but you know, snobby like the way that like people you and I know are foodies, will say. Okay. He kind of seems like he's a porny.
0: <laughs> okay. You know, yeah, he knows his shit, yeah, and he and he's writing about like he's writing about porn in an abstract way too, because there's that one scene where he's talking about like, all right, you want to know what it's really about desire the nature of desire you know he's he's intellectualizing it,, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'd mm-hmm. read the book, yeah, it sounds fascinating, yeah, so yeah, and then he discovers some things that that are linked to. Mark Anton. Yeah. He okay. he
1: had been a fan of Mark Anton's like one big video. Mm-hmm. Like what was it? Video called?
0: store boys or yeah. something, Manhattan video store or something like that, which I, I love because they taught when they talk about that, that that one takes place in three acts too. And they're all kind of interconnected, Oh, okay. which is funny. You know, like porns at that oh. time were kind of that way. Oh, so. I
1: like that. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's that aspect and it's like, he starts kind of having visions of Mark Anton, like, dreams. He starts giving, like, weird cryptic clues in his dreams that, like, yeah. the apartment that he's in might be connected somehow to Mark Anton's disappearance. His boyfriend starts acting strange after being exposed to, like, the video boys. Yeah. ring style. Yeah. I like his story a lot because he has this, what I find to be like a really charismatic dynamic with him and that porn shop proprietor. <laughs> like, they just they talk about porn the way that other people talk about cars, uh-huh.
0: or the way that
1: you and I would talk about a non pornographic film.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy was supposedly straight. He and just I, likes porn yeah, in general. Yeah, which is
1: also a concept I really like. Yeah. Like he's almost clinical about it, and it's like a hobby for him as if any other hobby would, he'd treat with the equal amount of like interest and fervor. Yeah,
0: Real life ghost story. All right, see that one on the left? He'd been living with this older guy in a not very wholesome situation in L.A. back in the mid-70s. Director got him hooked on drugs or something, and shortly after they shot this, he went crazy. Killed the director, killed his co-star there, then killed himself. Mm-hmm. Scratch beneath the surface of a lot of this stuff, and you'll hear all sorts of weird stories. Hey, you could have a chapter in the book on the weird stuff. He just works in a dirty video store, and he's been doing it long enough that it's become like a... I don't know, yeah. He's able to step outside it so much and see the bigger picture of it.
1: Yeah, I, well, Yeah. so the idea that he was straight, I don't know, I liked it. Well, I, because, you know, I used to work in a record store, like... That was the type of person that reminds me of like record collectors. Like oh, they yeah. would buy stuff not necessarily cuz they wanted to listen to it, but it's like if we had you know rare pressing of something, they'd want it just for the album cover, like some variant to have of the album. It, yeah. yeah. Like I understand that like level of like interest in like a medium. So I don't know, that the, the porn store guy, I hmm. he he
0: just struck me as very real. I wonder how far down the porn hole he goes. Like is it just depth of focus or breadth of focus? Does he just do all I, porn or is he like focused on like gangbangs or what? I just well, to know. The, the impression he I got it it was a
1: mile wide and a mile
0: deep. <laughs> like he like really went full
1: throttle on it because I can't imagine that he was a straight guy that only had an interest in gay pornography. Yeah. Because he seemed to be able to keep up with Michael on porn facts. Like, he knew who Mark Anton was
0: right off the bat. Yeah, Maybe it's like, for him, it was a challenge that... Uh, what's the, Michael? Is that the character's name? Yeah, in, Comes in chapter in this, like, two, yeah. Hey, I need help, you know, with this book. And the guy's like, challenge accepted. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and this is another case where it's like, you know, it's a bit part... But him and his assistant, the little Asian boy, yeah, uh, it was just sort of filled out by having like an actor who could actually act because mm-hmm. uh, he's talking about snuff films and he's like, yeah, there's no real snuff films like there's some really well made fake ones. He even references the Nicolas Cage movie, like, 8mm. Uh-huh. Like,
0: every few years there's another story about a real snuff film like that. Craptastic Nicolas Cage movie where he looked constipated for 90 minutes. I was like, oh, I like that. That's good. I think you could say, kind of across the board, one of the things that makes this movie good is that the acting is good. Mm-hmm. Like, they all do a good job of selling this material, which... Let's face it. If you just read the script, I would probably be like, "What the fuck? I, this doesn't make any sense." Like, yeah. I, I know that like we're gonna have to wait until it comes out to see how it's all put together, but like you just gotta trust that it is all gonna come together and just do your best performance. So.
1: And like all three of our leads are pretty handsome. You got people who can act and they
0: also look pretty good. Yeah, if somewhat interchangeable, but I think that's um important. part of it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. part of it. They're all brunettes, mm-hmm. tall, slender, handsome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Two of them are actual porn stars. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, not like in our real life, but like in the world oh, of right, pornography, yeah. mm-hmm, a thriller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that brings us to the Act 3. With Matt Stevens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a porn star who wants to really wants to direct now. Mm-hmm. And so he just starts kind of like auto-writing a script that is the script of Act 1. I guess it's a little unclear because we know that part of the script
1: is fr- from what we saw in act one, but then he's definitely writing things that we did not see in act one, like the actual sex scenes and everything. Right. Like that.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: So it's a little unclear exactly. I mean, purposely. So mm-hmm. like, we know that there's a script based on these dreams that he's been having. Right. And this is the guy from the beginning, like the opening shot, which is, that's one of those things. Like, I just wasn't expecting that when I watched it. Yeah. To have it like go back to this opening scene. Like I'd kind of forgotten about the opening scene. Didn't seem to play into act one or act two. Like it was out of my mind. And then to have it come back, I was like, Oh, there's like, this is a full circle thing. Yeah.
0: The first time I watched this, I saw that opening scene and then I think there's like a credit sequence and then it cuts to, I like the
1: credit sequence. Oh yeah. Good stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mark Anton mm-hmm. and I just thought it was the same actor, which I think mm-hmm. I'm supposed like that's okay. Like you're supposed to kind of have them be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it wasn't until I watched it a second time because I was like, I can't go into this only seeing this once. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, on the second time, I was like, Oh, that's the guy from the third act, because I just assumed that what we were watching was his audition video was oh, Mark Anton's. Yeah, sure, because sure. I thought they were the same person. Yeah, which is what it is in the porno that Matt wrote. Right,
1: because Matt is going to be playing Mark Anton in like the Mark Anton story. Right, right, right. So, the first time that I watched this I had an immediate letdown feeling when it gets to the Matt Stevens chapter because he throws the script for the Mark Anton story in the back of his convertible and drives off. Uh And I was like, oh, it was all a dream. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, (laughs) I was really upset. I was like, there was so much Positive stuff in those first two acts, and he throws it away. But then he doubled downs on it. Like that's not the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Then it keeps going, and then the mystery starts coming back in like new and strange ways. And there's even like a nice little wonder there when when he's like walking like behind the scenes. It's like he's doing like a oh. walk and talk with someone, and yeah. the camera keeps panning to the right. Uh, to show like uh the like a porn scene in action yeah. and then it pans back to them walking and talking, then it goes to them like prepping a set for the next scene, and then it goes back to them I'm like, oh wow, this was like capital D directed. Like yeah. someone cared enough to lay out this long shot.
0: Yeah. And it's good. It is. <laughs> it's not shitty. <laughs> I read that or maybe he said it in the interview, but the director, David Kitchers, was talking about how this movie was made for less than two hundred thousand dollars on, like, a two-week shooting schedule, and it's just, like, it does not show. He must have whipped his
1: actors into shape, or so, or the cast and crew, really, because there's very, like, moody lighting. Like, there's a lot of times where it's, like, you know, you get close-ups, and it's just a black backdrop behind the actor uh-huh. you, you know... You're getting intimate with it, yeah there's all sorts of like green and red lighting Ugh, all over the ca- place.
0: There's a car scene at the end where they're talking in a car, and like half their faces are blue oh. and half their faces are red, and I was just like, see, this is what American anthem was trying to do, <laughs> <laughs> but like it just works so well, like like you only need it for that one scene, don't like keep going back to it, but like when it when you do use it, it just it pops and it looks great and it's stylish, I love it, I loved it,
1: yeah, and in that third act, we even get. Not that the first two acts are humorless necessarily, but the third act, when I can't remember the, the character's name, but he like comes
0: out in a bathrobe, he's like, "I've been looking everywhere for you." Hey, Bishop, we missed you on Frat Boy Gangbang Six. But wait, do you think I can still pass for twenty-one? Sure, why not? Magic of the movies. I just feel like I'm a bit too old to play frat boys. I'm after all twenty-four.
1: You're forty-five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually the first dong we see in the movie too. <laughs> The rest is all tastefully uh, covered, I think.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, actually. So, Or it cuts away, like, right before yeah. or something
0: like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we
1: we get some D, yeah, we like, get pretty frequently D. in Act 3.
0: Yeah, and that's sort of, like, the part about this movie that I like the most, maybe, is that is the meta elements to it. Like, see, this is another reason why I was like, this movie's made for us. Because, like, you throw a little meta into a movie, and I'm like, I love it! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... You know, when at the end, you know, he takes off his pants like, is this what you wanted? Isn't it? And it's like he's talking to us, the audience who's actually been watching this pornography, a thriller. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was looking for some dicks. Yeah. You're right. You're, yeah. A hundred percent. So, well, we got a whole lot more than that.
1: Yeah. Uh, you talk about how this is like a movie made for us while watching it last night. I, <laughs> I had this. I was like, if I recommended this movie to someone, they'd watch it and go, yeah, Matt likes this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't even actually talked about, like, the snuff element of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's go there.
1: So Mark Anton, near the end of his act, he's, you know, doing this thing for forty grand. He's drugged and or killed his, like, manager agent person. Right. Who I believe they were negotiating the rights to, like, the Mark Anton name, perhaps. Oh, okay. I didn't get um, that, but sure. That's what I... Maybe, maybe it's just because king cobra is still like on my taste buds okay and i remember then brent corrigan couldn't make a movie under the name brent corrigan right yeah because the guy at cobra video still owned oh, that. that so name. he goes to do this job where he's just in front of a camcorder and there's this like really eerie voice on an intercom mm-hmm. asking him questions
0: so would you like to ask me to
1: the scene's really tense and... It's well
0: edited, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, just because, like, cause, like, he would just cut to the camera looking face on mm-hmm. that that is uh, videotaping Mark. And you'd see the intercom when it would talk. And then you'd see Mark sometimes uh, viewed outside, like an outside camera, and sometimes viewed through the camera that's looking at him. Mm-hmm. And it was just like spliced together, cut in just a very interesting way. And I think that that's another way that this movie just came together in the editing because this scene could be terrible Mm -hmm. if it was just you know a single camera set up somewhere you know
1: yeah i mean there's lynching fingerprints all over this but the way that the director david kitteridge shoots the camcorder recording them it reminded me a lot of uh hal in 2001
0: yeah uh uh-huh do you have any uh guesses as to who was that voice is it a character we meet in the movie is it well, I don't know. That's I'm. I'm I didn't even, posing the question.
1: I didn't even think because then there's the leatherface looking motherfucker. You think it's someone
0: else in the movie? Maybe. I mean, my guess, my first guess was that he is the um, guy he did the Manhattan Video Boy store shoot with.
1: Oh, Jason Steele.
0: <clears throat> yeah, because he wants him out of the picture for some reason. I don't know why. We don't know. I'm just, this was just my first thought.
1: Yeah. See, I thought it was just a, a faceless cabal of real life snuff filmmaker type things. Mm, like, mm-hmm, cause mm-hmm. this, you know, this movie also has a lot in common with two of my other favorites, Videodrome and Demon Lover. Yeah. Where suddenly like the, you can't really tell the difference between, especially in act three, the product that's being made and what is being perceived by our protagonist. Right.
0: Right. 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 Which is such a lovely, juicy meta element.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause in act three, when it kind of does that switch and like, you know, they make it very obvious that there's a switch, like the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the granular quality of the film switches when suddenly he's like playing when Matt Stevens is playing Mark Anton. Right. And, but the way that they shoot it it's like he's not playing Mark Anton he's living Mark Anton
0: right so what's a secret how do you make it look hot I think you have to fall in love a little bit with the guy you're with love the camera can see it somehow I think the hottest scenes come from the most intimate place and if you can do that make yourself fall in love just a little bit you're gonna turn everybody on
1: all that stuff worked for me, and then even the way that, that, like, we leave that element, it's that Matt Stevens thinks, like, he was living through Mark Anton while making the movie.
0: Right, yeah, channeling him somehow, maybe. Yeah. hmm
1: So, all that, just love it. it. It, like, that's something that, in lesser hands, would have just crumbled. Right. And it does, it plays it out so well here. Right. So, anyway, back to Act One. Mark Anton, he's, like, in front of the camera and he's kind of bearing his soul but he's being confrontational about it. Right. You want to hear pain?
0: You want to talk to the real me? 40 grand doesn't buy you that. You can have my time, you can have my image and my voice. But you cannot have my pain.
1: Then he's like, fuck it, like this is what you want to see, like, right? And he starts undoing his pants. And even though I knew it was coming, it scared me. It scared me too. <laughs> When that dude like busts out of the other room uh-huh. and you know pins him down or, or chases him down, like I, it was genuinely scary. There's that good contrast of like it's all black and then you get that hard red neon like dark room light.
0: Yeah, and he runs into that room with all the video cassettes uh, up, which have the symbols on them. This, there's like a symbol in this movie, and. I didn't catch this the first time around, but the second time around, I noticed that they cut at the very end when Matt goes to go do his video shoot, Mark's a photographer or trying to be a photographer. And he has a little classroom. photog student. He has a classroom setting where he's like, got these, "This this is the place where blah, blah, blah. And one of them is, this is the place that I fear the most. And it's that video room that he gets like stabbed in. It is? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't catch that. It's I only know because I watched the ending a third time. <laughs> so, <laughs> the last like 15 minutes of it a third time. But uh it makes sense why that room's the scariest place that he fears the most. Mm-hmm. But it's weird that he would take the picture ahead of time. I don't know. I'm I don't know. I'm just talking. No, I, <laughs> I, it's like
1: this movie is really good at that cuz there's loose ends, but it's because it's not because of like sloppy writing or uh uh slipshot editing or something like that. It's because the movie kind of wants the mystery to continue. Yeah. Like past that act or or past the end of the movie.
0: It's like a dream where if you think if you focus on it enough, it'll make sense. But, like, maybe it's not supposed to completely tie all together easily. Because it feels like it, it just keeps twisting in on itself while you're... It's like a puzzle that's moving around while you're trying to solve it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so we have that first act. And it's solid. Like, it's scary. And then it, like, fades out. And we go into act two with Michael, the guy who's writing the book. Mm-hmm. Him and his boyfriend get a... You know, they score a sweet... Woo! I would th- jump on that place. One-bedroom apartment. Uh, I'm assuming one-bedroom that, you know, look to be, like, right in the hot spot of L.A.
0: No, it was in New York. Oh, it was New York? Theirs was New York, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. But the other ones were in L.A.
0: Yeah, the third one was, third act is in L.A., but the first two are in New York. Okay,
1: yeah. okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, they get this sweet one-bedroom apartment, which looks fabulous and judging by the sounds of it, they make about the same money as I do, and I live in an apartment with no dishwasher. (laughs) Uh, So the idea that they were able to score this, and it's like, you know, that's always a good indication that, like, oh, somebody was murdered here, and they just didn't ask the realtor. Oh, yeah. So he starts having these dreams. They dig out the old Mark Anton video, and he shows it to his boyfriend. He, He watches the video and sees that in this video boy's video, There's a clue inside his apartment. Yeah. So he checks behind the bookshelf, and he finds this, like, corroded old tape. Betamax, it looks like. Uh, So that's when he brings it to the porn shop proprietor,
0: see if it can be fixed or repaired, and he's like, I'll see what I can do. Now, he finds the tape just randomly, like, putting the bookshelf together, and then he he was watching the porn... And they say, and this is a question I have, because one time, the first time he hears it, he says, oh, come on. It's not like I hit it behind the bookcase or something. Second time he says, I lost it. Oh, come on. It's not like I lost it behind the bookcase or something. And then he rewinds it again. And then the next time he says, you yeah, hit it. Oh, come on. It's not like I hit it behind the bookcase or something. I'm wondering if that inconsistency Ooh. is on purpose oh, and that, what, that what sounds it means. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for that. I wish I could ask the director. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also don't want the mystery to be ruined. <laughs> no, but I, I feel like just the the inconsistencies like b- between rewinding it is a way to draw your attention to the fact that there must be something up about that one sentence. Yeah.
0: After that, he goes back and he finds. That's when he finds the card that has the address. That he goes and he sees like snuff films being played like um, eyes wide shut style
1: <laughs> I loved that scene just that was so eerie and so just bizarrely cut color- like it, it was seriously like eyes wide shut but with like
0: snuff movies mm-hmm. and this uh, green of those masks looks really great yeah, and, yeah
1: but yeah. then there's like a hard red like emanating from the screen or lighting in the room itself
0: yeah. good colors
1: yeah it was all that stuff was just I don't know so tasty So he feels like he's got a real snuff film on his hands. Uh, He also feels the snuff film has Mark Anton in it. Yeah. Yeah, The porn shop guy is highly skeptical. And as he seems to be an authority on the subject, we're inclined to believe him. Well, like he, you know, he talks about how, like, oh, yeah, anytime, like, a por- like a like an up-and-coming porn star drops off the face
0: of the earth, there's always a rumor that crops up. Porn actor ends up in snuff film, along with crocodiles in the sewers and the kidney-stealing Russian mob, except nobody's seen any video.
1: And remind me, I haven't seen the movie, but uh, did you ever see Cannibal Holocaust? No. So I guess the killing scenes in that were so realistic, and the director had the actors go into hiding oh. for like six months to make it seem like they were actually killed because it's like a mockumentary right yeah uh and that like when it was released in the states people actually worried that like his actors were killed like by cannibals like Whoa. in some third world country and like had a court order that the actors like appear
0: oh my god to like prove that the actor or the director didn't like have them murdered yeah <laughs> So, yeah, the snuff film is in the apartment that they're in. It gets busted. Video store clerk fixes it. And then he disappears or, like, gets...
1: He calls up Michael and he's like, you got to get down here right now. And you get the idea that there's, like, something serious on that tape. But he gets down to the porn store and he's not there. he
0: has gone. Yeah, do you think they made a snuff film of him?
1: Well, I mean, the implication is he was definitely roped into it somehow not that they initially made a snuff film but like the same cabal of 'er ne'er-do-wells because the the leather face baby face guy like Mm -hmm. comes and like shoots him full of needle drugs too right
0: thus ending his act in the movie right he shows up again at the very end of act three Mm -hmm. in like the diner yeah the angel
1: yeah (laughs)
0: um which I didn't entirely understand that angel scene, but um, that's okay. I don't need to.
1: Uh, well, you know, if you ever get around to watching Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, maybe you will.
0: Oh, okay. Would you care to elaborate on that? No,
1: it's the like the end of the movie.
0: <laughs> Very well.
1: <laughs> Thus begins Act 3. And Act 3 centers on Matt Stevens, who is a porn star and he wants to branch out, do something bigger, greater. So he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he starts writing this script, the Mark Anton story, based on a dream that he just had, and it's inferred that Act 1 and Act 2 were part of the dream that he just had. And this is the guy from the beginning of the movie who was talking directly into the camcorder. He's also, in my humble opinion, the hottest of the three guys. As I was saying earlier about the beginning of of Act 3... I thought this was, like, the end of the movie, because when Matt throws that script in the back of his convertible and drives off, I was like, uh <laughs> It felt like such a cop-out. Uh-huh. All that good stuff has just been flushed down the toilets. Mm-hmm. And But then it kind of keeps going, and, like, the stuff that you see is good, because it's like, yeah, we, he runs into the guy from... Frat boy gang bang eight or whatever it uh-huh. is. I'm like, oh my god, that's kind of funny. That's that's an entertaining scene with that weird accent. <laughs> yeah, they they talk about his accent and just how
0: like Hollywoody
1: they treat these pornos, uh-huh. like the schmoozing and.
0: Uh, I like when he walks into the office of the like main guy at the film studio and there's like a threesome going on.
1: Uh-huh.
0: What do you think? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I thought. Put your clothes on and get out. And one of them thanks him on the way. He's like, thank you.
1: <laughs> but also, like, someone's approaching him, and he's, like, asking him about, like, a project or something like that. And he, like, looks at his watch. He's like, I am very busy, but what have you got for me? I was like, this is just, it's, like, the Hollywoodness of this. I think it's supposed to be a little
0: cheesy. Like I think a, it is, too. Yeah.
1: Uh, it just seems like all sort of, like, good-natured business people, like, just churning out the good stuff. Yeah. Making the the, the quality calls when, when they need to. I think it's purposely a little little Pollyanna about like the the film industry at large. This is sort of like a gay porn Mulholland Drive a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that the first, you know, act or two of Mulholland Drive uh when Naomi Watts is like just gone to LA. It's it's a little bit like that. Yep. Like
0: not little candy-coated. Little
1: candy-coated, little pie-eyed, if you will. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that there's, like, a Lynchian influence in here. And I, I read a lot of, like, negative criticisms like that. They're like, you may as well just be, uh, you know, copying David Lynch. But it's like, we've talked about this before, where, like, originality isn't necessarily, um, v- like, the most important thing. Like, when you're doing genre storytelling like this, I don't care. <laughs> like, I also... we finally got a gay David Lynch movie. Great. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about that. <laughs>
1: And I don't feel like the director's trying to hide the influence either. He's yeah. not like, this is a unique thing all to my... I invented this
0: style of filmmaking. Yeah, no, there's nothing like that. It's like,
1: no, he's like, I want to do something like this, so I'm going to do something like this. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's any time where he's just, like, directly copying a David Lynch shot. It's like, he's looked at David Lynch movies, like, okay, he cuts like this to that, and it has this effect, and he does it to, like, create this mood... I'm going to do it, but in a different scenario. Yeah. Like, he's not just recreating a David Lynch film. He's applying, like, the style and the techniques to create a tone, but doing it on a totally different project. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I thought... It was, no, I loved it.
0: <laughs> and, like, I think that that speaks to my theory about Mulholland Drive, which is that, like... Or most of David Lynch's movies, where he's not actually doing anything that fancy like camera work wise we've talked about this where he's literally like the fanciest shot in Mulholland Drive is like a turn on a tripod or something <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. it's like it's not crazy filmmaking but like this you know movie less than two hundred thousand dollars that's insane to make a movie number that one is crazy but if you use these just low low budget techniques but do them well like you can make a great movie yeah you
1: really can and I mean, that's what's crazy about it. It's like I feel like you know, testosterone probably had a similar budget to this. Yeah, like maybe even more. I was gonna say more because you know it had name actors like yeah. David Sutcliffe had been in Gilmore Girls, Jennifer Coolidge. She was know. already
0: Stifler's mom at that point.
1: Yeah, uh, Antonio Sabato Jr. Of course. Yeah, people knew who he was uh they're
0: like shooting on locales yeah like that
1: was like filmed like on location in argentina or something yeah so yeah uh, okay so this has like a smaller budget but maybe this is a question for the director but maybe he just had been working in the industry long enough that like he knew talent uh, and he could just when it was finally time for him to make a project he could just be like i want professionals with me like quality hard-working talented professionals because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's what it looks like you got yeah
0: like i was i just can't help but think of altitude falling <laughs> and uh how it's like no you got you got somebody to do the music and the music fits and it's good you got mm-hmm. somebody to do the sound work and the sound is good i can't tell you how many of these <laughs> game movies i'm watching where the sound alone is killing me there's it sounds and looks professional mm-hmm. and when I hear that it's two hundred thousand dollar budget, I'm just like, "That's minuscule. That's nothing." It's amazing that this product came out of that, and it's all like talent that did it. Yeah, talent in the actors' part, talent on the director's part, talent on the editor's part. Mm-hmm. Like just across the board. Are we gushing? <laughs> I we
1: might be gushing. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Like so, the first time I watched it was probably back in February, I think, and. I was impressed with it, but I wasn't, like, mind-blown by it. I think it's because I'm like, oh, you know, David Lynch style meets, like, Cronenberg and demon-lover type themes. Mm -hmm. But watching it again, I was like, oh, he really just goes deep with it. Like, he doesn't pull a punch, and, like, he wears his influences on his sleeve, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily just feel derivative of any of these things. Sure. It feels like he has a genuine love for these things, but that he just wants to be like part of that group, like not necessarily that he just wants to copy what they're
0: doing. But even if it is derivative and you want to slap that word on it, I'm not sad because I don't know of another gay themed movie that's like this, you know? And like, we're always talking about being star for representation this is the kind of representation I want. Like, yeah, I want it to be stylish, well, and like, I want it to be cool.
1: <laughs> I, I was thinking about this last night while watching. Like, none of the main characters are super flamboyantly gay. They might have like a little effeminate qualities to them, or they mm-hmm. might kiss their boyfriends
0: or as fuck, yeah, <laughs> other men. But the
1: star of the movie isn't how gay they are none of the the actors seem preoccupied with mask or straight acting or anything like that. Like that's like a non entity in their character. Yeah. They're just being who they are and they're already comfortable with themselves. Like there's no struggle for them to like be comfortable with their sexuality. Right. None of them have HIV. No. No, you know, like just like their sexuality is like a big part of the movie, but it's not like, they're fighting for acceptance in an uncaring world like most game movies are
0: <laughs> and you know we play this game sometimes where it's like could you tell this story as a straight story like flip out some gender roles and i don't think you can like i think specifically because i think that it's important that these porn actors are interchangeable like mm. when you're talking about when he when the, i'm gonna go back to that scene where he's talking about what is desire the nature of desire demands the new One thing might do it for you for a while, but then it doesn't anymore, and you need another. Desire shifts, escalates. But the question is, what are they really aim to see? What? More. They want to see more. There's always somebody you can move on to, and like that's how the industry kind of works. It just sort of churns them out, and you do kind of I don't know about you, but there are definitely times when like I'm watching porn and I'm just like, I've seen that guy before, right man, yeah. and it's not the same, definitely not the <laughs> same person. Uh, you know, all these handsome white men look the same to me, uh-huh. so uh I don't know i I don't think you could do this story as a heterosexual story like I, I would ha- I think you'd struggle to make the same points.
1: I mean, there are certain parts of it that I think rely on it being a gay couple. Like, I can't imagine, like, in Act 2, a straight couple where the wife was, like, that chill about her live-in boyfriend being that into pornography. Mm -hmm. Like, it could exist. I don't know if I would buy it on the same level, though. And I think it also helps because... (sighs) I feel like if it was about a straight male porn star, you wouldn't have the power imbalance necessarily. Like, I feel like there are very few straight male porn stars that could be seen as, like, the submissive in, like, a porn scene. Yeah. And that plays into it as well. Sure. Because Matt Stevens playing Mark Anton ends up, like, the plaything, at least, like, in the movie that he's producing, directing. Right. But it's also reflecting how it is in real life that he's being fucked over, right? And I don't think you could do that for a straight male porn star. Now, could you like have this all be like from told from like a female porn star point of view? Maybe, maybe. But I struggle to think that it would have the same emphasis there. That would be as taboo because I feel like straight pornography is just you know ever so slightly more mainstream than Mm -hmm. that you know uh jenna jameson is i mean not a household name but she was on a blink 182 album cover (laughs) sasha gray goes and does the steven soderbergh movie Mm
0: -hmm. stuff
1: like that like it's a it's a little bit more mainstream than that so I feel like, you know, it was a big deal that SNL had a real life gay porn actor in a skit. Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of recently, weeks recently. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was the first time ever that a uh, gay male porn star had ever been on network TV. So, you know, I feel like it, it is important that it's gay pornography just because it's like it pushes it down the mainstream pipeline a little bit sure. more. And like the, the idea that these people are disposable is a little bit more important in that then.
0: Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> we put a lot of thought into this movie. <laughs> it's good.
1: I mean, for a movie called Pornography, a Thriller, it's surprisingly smart and interesting and engrossing.
0: Well, should we take a break? I guess. <laughs> I just whoo been talking about pornography a thriller (laughs) yeah
1: um maybe we should get someone else on here to do some heavy lifting for a while because i'm going horse here (laughs) sounds good uh so we'll be right with you after this break
0: second part is an interview with the director of the movie David Kitteridge keep listening to x-rated movies and maybe answers will come